step right up, it's nailed. A halo by halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. And today we're here continuing our fragile series with side three, which is Pilgrimage. No, you don't. <laughs> La Mer. The Great Below. Wow, we're really good at that. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was our third take. That's what they don't know. Not even a joke. So the end of uh, what's called the left side, the first CD. and um, That means we're, once we wrap this up, we're halfway through our fragile journey. Yeah. For for this halo, not the whole era. We've still got. Right. Um, we're going into the, we're coming into the second half of the album though soon and that'll be exciting. But just listen to the third side of 12 inch vinyl and four, four great songs. No notes. Podcast no, over. Five stars, no notes. What Let's if we go. just said that? <laughs> this is another one that is no duds to me. These are strong songs, especially toward the very end here. Uh, strong songs. Trent should just release a compilation called Strong Songs. And then he, on the cover, it's just be him and his muscle phase. Like oh It's all with teeth tracks. <laughs> muscle songs. Okay. Before we get started, though, is there any nine-inch news? So everything is in the news today. Do you know of any nine-inch news, or do you have any? The only thing I can think of is that we're starting to see pressings of the fragile coming back. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that just kind of came out of nowhere, and it's not on the nine-inch nail store. No, that's what's weird. So I don't know where they're coming from, yeah. but there's a slow trickle. I would not say there's like a. A sudden like abundance but there's a slow trickle and we know this because of van dad in our discord he's a patron mm-hmm. and uh has an alert set and so anytime uh, yeah there is a copy of the fragile vinyl on sale set he'll post alerts, a link folks. yep post a link so some of our friends who never had it got to finally get it yep um it's not like it's at your local record shop i don't think it's like some obscure websites and well, by obscure, I mean I hadn't heard of them. Just probably like mom and pop record shops with websites. Oh, yeah. I wonder why that and not the official store. I don't know. But good for them. Whatever. Um, were they charging like ridiculous sums No, for I think it? it was the normal price, oh, like okay. $40-ish around there. I think that's the okay. the trip, like 40 to 45 I can't remember how much the... That's not terrible at all for a double album. It's a Three triple. Discs. Well... Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, triple disc and double album in terms of CD length. Do you have anything? I don't think I do, because kind of since the uh, Cleveland reunion show and everything calmed down, it's just like everybody's gone into hibernation a bit, you know? Recovering. No, no news is coming out. Other than today is the anniversary, as we record this, of your other favorite couple who was married in October. Trent and Mary Queen. Oh, I was going to say, because uh, they were married on Halloween. You do too many obscure friend shout outs. <laughs> Happy anniversary. And to Trent and Mary Queen. She made a cute post. Um, I guess I didn't realize that we were married in the same month. It's like fate or something. Or just people who like fall. People who like Halloween, okay. We're people, closer to Halloween. People like spooky shit. Not to brag, we're we are a lot closer to Halloween. 
The only reason we're not is because Halloween did not fall on a day where we could get married in the courthouse, and that's where we got married. Cause... Bullshit. <laughs> okay, I guess that was Nine Inch News. So do we want to talk about side three here? We've just come hot off the heels of even deeper. Come. What? I don't know. I was trying to say it funny. Like Trent says it. Mm-hmm. Even deeper has fizzled out into uh, the dissonant noises. And then a big noisy buzzsaw guitar comes in. And it's... An instrumental we all know and love called Pilgrimage, right? That's right. Track nine. What do you, I don't know. Do you have notes about this? You might have notes about this, but. I have, buddy, I have some notes. What I meant was about the title. Do you have any Oh, I don't have any notes or thoughts on this. I always, I always want to ask what you think instrumental titles mean. I don't like that. I should be prepared for this question. It's a, no, you don't need to be prepared because it's an off the cuff I just want your emotional response to it. Pilgrimage. Well, pilgrimage is like a a journey. Mm-hmm. And in this we have sound. It's very militant. Yeah. Got like some chanting, some shouts. I have, And yeah. you've got like a, uh, a marching band coming through there. The marching band may be taking a pilgrimage. From to wherever they're going, because their sound seems to be moving. And as we read, possibly over a hill, it gets closer to you. It sound starts out sounding like it's further away, and then gets closer. And then, and I have other very exciting theories on that later. But very exciting, exciting to me in my (laughs) stupid nerdy brain. Okay, but I have a whole like way I imagine the song Pilgrimage that comes from being 16. Is a pilgrimage necessarily a religious type thing? It doesn't have to be, but I, it's a journey that it has some sort of meaning attached to it. Yeah, it's not like we're just going to go to St. Louis to see a show, you yeah, know? We no, but we might take a pilgrimage to St. Louis to see Nine Inch Nails and, you know, where we're... It's like our church or whatever. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like we attach. There's a deeper meaning to yeah, a pilgrimage. Yeah, we attach an enormous spiritual meaning to going to this concert or whatever it may be. So we take the pilgrimage. Maybe we even take it annually or whatever, uh, periodic. But yeah, kind of like a a pilgrimage. I don't know another term for it. Okay. Well, we can come back to that and talk it, to yeah. it whenever we talk about your exciting theories. But let's get into stuff we do know for sure about (laughs) this track. Before I speculate. Yes. So is this the first time the Buddha Boys Choir has been introduced officially? We only know the debutantes, I think. We met the debutantes. Well, it's time to meet the Buddha Boys. Yeah. The the boys. (laughs) So the name comes um, comes from Igor's Buddha Belly, which was located across the street from Nothing Studios. Mm Mm-hmm. And they are credited for the background chants. And the Buddha Boys Choir is made up of Keith Hillebrandt. Clint Mansell is in there. Okay. Just guys that were already hanging around. Steve Duda. Okay. Or Duda. 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 I've heard Duda. <laughs> um, and then I wrote unnamed nothing studios employees. So maybe more techs 
um, oh. were involved who just aren't credited per se. And then yeah. the local New Orleans band called Dead Hand System. I've heard that band name before. I have not. Do we know where that comes from? I I had not read that. This comes from NIN Wiki, and I oh okay. I do not. I know nothing about this band. So they just. I guess to be I around. should just start looking up stuff. But they're a local New Orleans band, so it's possible they were. I don't know, playing at a bar or... I feel like I heard them when I was like 17 or something and haven't heard them since. So we got more credits. So there's additional marching percussion by Steve Duda, uh, the chanting, the Buddha Boys Choir, and then trumpet is credited to Cherry Holly, which is interesting because from what I understand, the marching band was all synthetic. There is one interview where I think it was Alan Mulder said a trumpeter and a trombonist were brought in well uh yeah i have some quotes about that so we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it i i'm just saying i don't hear or couldn't find evidence of these real people playing these real instruments and it's possible that maybe they did and it just wasn't included in the final mix there i'm convinced there well we know there are all sorts of multi-tracks that didn't make it uh, onto the album some of them can be heard on deviations yeah so I have some quotes from Alan Mulder on recording Pilgrimage. There's quite a few, actually, because of the synthetic brass band. So yeah. it's been, which is really interesting. So it's been discussed a lot in various um, magazines at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's still something that he talks about. We even have a clip that we'll play of him talking about it recently on yeah. Andrew Interview's Awesome People. So in Sound on Sound in May of 2000, Mulder said, the instrumental tracks were all recorded in one go during the early stages of the project. We'd get to the point where we'd built up the atmosphere and there was a general arrangement that we'd come up with by way of overdubbing, cutting, and pasting. Then we'd start mixing. Trent would hear it shaping up. It would become apparent that certain things needed redoing or supplementing, and he'd generally become inspired to add another section. This would all be running on Pro Tools. We couldn't put it to tape if something wasn't finished, and he'd either want to add a section or extend one. For instance, we both might think, that sounds great now, but we could extend it with another four bars in there and hold off on this sequence until it comes in four bars later. And so the whole arrangement and length of the song would be completely changing all the time we were mixing. The end of Pilgrimage had three more sections than when we started mixing it. Three completely different sections evolved, each clearly delineated with starts and stops, guitar and synth sections, and the marching band at the end, which Trent and I created by foleying, making samples, playing drums, and adding bass. Hmm. So foleying, we've talked about foley work before mm-hmm. on the Downward Spiral, probably. Probably. Was where it first came up. Um, that marching sound on Pilgrimage, according to Mulder, I is just this. bits of stuff in a box that they're yeah. shaking. So... You can't actually mart. You can't use feet. Feet don't sound like feet on a record. Got to use boxes. <laughs> Shaking junk in a box. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if those Buddha boys were in there. Because we hear them going, raw, raw, making grunts and stuff. Mm-hmm. They could have been stomping and clapping for all we know. Uh, there's a lot of that. There's it just a been. lot of noise going on. Yeah. So here's Mulder talking about the brass band, the marching band, on a Q&A on ProSoundWeb. And he says, what happened there was we had finished the mix and Trent said, you know, I think it'd be great if we had a marching band come in playing the riff as if they were coming over the hill towards us. I said, okay, sounds good. Where the fuck are we going to get a marching band? <laughs> Number one, dude, yeah, whatever, you're Trent, in New Orleans. Okay. It's like a music yeah, city. They, ha- they have like multiple 
uh, annual things where marching bands go down the street. Maybe Mulder didn't know that. I mean, that's he's British. <laughs> Doesn't understand our culture. Also, you could probably just go to a high school and be like, hi, I'm Trent Reznor. And kids would be like, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Can I borrow your marching band? <laughs> um, Bourbon Street High. Go whiskeys. Go no, whiskeys? What would the inner city New Orleans high school mascot be? The beads. The beads. Something to do with Mardi Gras. But it would be the Saints, probably. I mean, Probably, yeah. I mean, that's the professional I said, team. I almost said Angels because I was like City of Eight, and I was like, wait, that's L.A. Maybe they couldn't do Saints because of the NFL, but they could probably just call themselves the Catholics or something. The Catholics? No. I'll come back. Hold on, to I'm going to look up just New Orleans high school mascots. Hold on one second. The the shrimps, the jambalayas. <laughs> The red beans <laughs> the red, and rices. The red beans and rices. Anyway. So after he asked, where the fuck are we going to get a marching band? Mulder says, so we decided to make one ourselves. We bought slash borrowed some snares, detuned to kick, and set off. Trent and Steve Duda, who was one of the programmers on the record, played in marching bands at school. So they played the parts, and we got in a trumpeter and trombonist to add reality to our programmed brass. Trent played the sax in the school band, so he covered that. We recorded it all over a couple of days, and it sounded great. We then put the whole band and marching samples and crowd samples through a TC Fireworks and automated the parameters of the filters and such with MIDI, so it sounds distant, or actually a bit like a 1940s record, and it gets more full range and present. Okay, so they ran it, according to Mulder, through the TC Electronics brand Fireworks Effects Unit, which I'm assuming has a filter of some sort, where they went from... Uh, low pass and gradually added the high in. Um, more on heavy filtering when we get to great below. Okay, so here I have one quote from Reznor about uh, recording pilgrimage, and this is from uh, Rolling Stone in July of 1999. So this is one of those articles that was like a preview, you know, of the fragile. One example of the indulgences Reznor allowed himself on the fragile comes near the end of pilgrimage. Reznor says, it shouldn't have taken place. The track was done. But at the end, I said, that's such a bizarre theme. What would it sound like played by a marching band going down the street? A week later, there's a marching band through the song. It's all on synthesizer. It would have been easier to get a band than it was to do it the way I did. And it started with, give me two hours. If I ever say that, order Domino's and get the coffee on. We're going <laughs> to oh be God. here for a while. Good to know that That's good. Reznor likes Domino's. Mm, I don't feel so bad now. I just, I don't know. I like Pizza Hut deep dish a lot. I like Pizza Hut deep dish too. <laughs> I wish they'd bring back the um, the uh, meat substitutes they had briefly because I do miss the, yeah, like when I was a kid, I loved the Supreme deep dish by, yeah. uh, from Pizza Hut. Sorry. So good. Okay. So it's weird to me that Trent and Mulder disagree on, I tend to believe Trent here, but why would Mulder say the wrong thing? They're both getting old, so who knows? But. Well, this was in 1999. Okay. Um, nothing takes two hours in the studio world. It's always a day. I, I can tell you that. And I've, I've, I have very little experience, but there is a trumpeter credited to what is it? Cherry Holly, mm -hmm. which we think sounds like a fake name. Mm -hmm. So God knows who that is. Well, we were discussing this with our intern and 
uh, Christopher said maybe it's just like a New Orleans street performer or something. Even possibly, Someone I mean, just they grabbed from the bar next door. Again, New Orleans, big music city, known for sure. a lot of busking and There's street a performing, and on every corner, <laughs> and a trombonist. I don't. I mean, it's nearly impossible to tell. I don't hear trombone. I do hear trumpet. It sounds more like synthetic trumpet. You play trombone, right? I played trumpet. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> Did you already say How that? How dare you? No. <laughs> okay. I did play in the marching band and Why in did the I regular think trombone? band. Okay. And I played trumpet all four years of high school. And Really? Uh, yeah. And in, no, it's just a little bit in junior high. Now that whole drum line thing at the end is definitely, you know, we, we're we're hearing real snares there. Mm-hmm. No no fake in that. that that's the Nick, some Nick Cannon action. Drum line. Oh, I get the Damn. joke. <laughs> yeah. I get the joke. I'm just going to give you the, a complete stone face. I just want to say that Oscar meowed right at yeah, your little he, joke and it kind of distracted me. He likes to me. destroy my punchlines. He really he's does. An yeah. So fake band, real band. Combination so, of both, probably. Co- and combination, you know, using fake horns to fill in uh, behind the real horns is something he, it's not the first time he's done it and not going to be the last either. We hear it again on things like capital G, but that's for another day. The deviations version of pilgrimage, I suspect, is more like what they had before Trent suddenly got a hair up his ass and said, I'd like a marching band. Mm -hmm. The marching band is not there on the deviations version. Much more boring, I will say. Not as fun. So glad he made that decision. Good job. Thanks. Thanks for verbally responding. (laughs) Okay. One more thing. Uh, We have a clip of Mulder recently discussing pilgrimage on Andrew Talks to Awesome People, which is like a little YouTube show, I guess. I don't. It's a good interview. Watch the whole thing. Yeah. It's only like 25 minutes or so. It was never over. It's the beginning of the it's never over till it's over. We were working on one track, I remember. And, uh, He'd gone through a fairly complex instrumental passage and finished. And he turned and goes, you know what? We need a marching band <laughs> playing the riff here. I just thought, really? <laughs> so, yeah, we created a marching band. It took about four days. And then we put it through a, a TC program that made it sound like it was from the 30s and was tiny. So we spent all these days making this fantastic, this stuff that sounded great, and it just made it sound tiny. But it, it was great. It worked really well. I wonder if it really did sound great. I doubt that it sounded very realistic, unfiltered, before they started messing with it. This is, okay, this is my educated, this is my hypothesis here. Okay. You make a composition out of synthesized horns and stuff. There's a little bit of a fakey fakeness to it. Mm-hmm. Even with today's technology, you can tell when you hear it uh, in full. And I've used this technique before, so I know that it's effective. Roll off the top end, and that, that fakeness often exists in the, in the top end sparkle range of frequencies. Roll off the top, make it more low-pass, you can almost pass it off as real better if 
you roll off the top end. It works with fake uh, pianos. Try it. It's like, ooh, someone's beautifully playing a piano far away and behind a hill in the <laughs> other room. Uh, doesn't it sound beautiful and real? No, it's fake. I just low passed it. Um, I think that's the, maybe that was what Trent was going for. But then it does sort of come out of the box, so to speak, and that filter opens up until we hear it more fully and it's there's a synth synthetic quality to it but it's still cool i it seems to be going for something that i'll discuss uh but i i dig i dig that flavor anyway sorry hey why don't we play the song yeah there's like a little a little uh jitter at the beginning of the track on all the versions. It's not just like a Spotify screw up or something. Weird. What's that guitar lead line? Makes me think it'll be way cooler when a brass band plays it later on in this song <laughs> there's so much stuff that's like in this mode that has like a an Arabic feel can I say that is that okay mm -hmm. to say maybe it's the chromaticism of this album I think I hear the Buddha boys there mm -hmm. shouting they're all throughout the song, but there's one section later where they're really prominent. Um, it really jumps out at you that it's um, the song's in six four three four, whatever you want to call it. So are we, you know, a little more off kilter than your standard four four. That vocal thing we just heard all get into it later but it's kind of weird okay yeah this part this part fades out start hearing some like backward stuff now here comes our fake horns Buddha boy chant. It's also more like mono and then it spreads out to a wider stereo image as we go, but because of the, like the lo-fi quality and the mono-ness of it all, it makes me think of an old little TV set, like a okay. tiny one. Mm -hmm. And we're watching a swords and sandals epic on this little TV set with me so far i'm with you so like i don't know the ten commandments what's a what's a, what's an example of one of the i don't know spartacus lawrence of arabia spartacus anything in there marching through the desert a lot of swords a lot of sandals but it had 
it's, the sound has come out of the TV now. It, it widens and widens. Now it's like right in our face with the drums. I do like that it ends with this stomp clap. <laughs> stomp clap drum. It's not stomp clap hey, but close. I always thought of watching a shitty old movie about some kind of army in the desert. I guess Spartacus wouldn't really fit that. Swords and Sandals. Epic. It's a genre. Look it up. It's probably a genre that I am not at all familiar with. You're like a movie person. You've taken classes. You should know. (laughs) My brother in Christ. That's not my favorite genre movie. Well, it is mine. I love it. I watch. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Not my favorite, so I can't know about it. I really don't know much about it. I don't like those. I don't. I'm I don't, not into I it. Could, but I well, can. I. I. I can. I can picture what you're saying. But I know. I can't. I, obviously, as you heard, I can't name very many movies in the genre. The ones I said are probably wrong. But I can't wait to hear from people writing in who are like, "Yes, I always thought this," because I always imagined that it starts inside the TV, and then it slowly busts out of the TV. And marches right into your damn living room and, I don't know, stabs you with a sword? A cutlass? That's a curved sword. Okay, so when I <laughs> when I typed it up, sword and sandal, mm-hmm. <laughs> someone asked, is Gladiator a sword and sandal movie? Yeah. Yeah. There are swords, sandals, I deserts. guess Spartacus could be too. I don't think. Maybe there are. What? I don't know. I've never seen Spartacus. Don't Spartacus probably counts. Look, the only thing I know about Spartacus is that it stars Tony Curtis and that um, Christian brought it over to Cher's house when they were on their date on Clueless because he oh, had nice. a thing for Tony Curtis. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's all I know about Spartacus. Oh, and I think uh, it's a Kubrick movie, right? Oh, is it? And it was written by uh, Dalton Trumbo, but it was written under a pseudonym, right? Because he was blacklisted. Trumbo. Mm-hmm. Directed by uh, Kubrick. Kubrick, 1960. That means it's going to be, or it already was, on the Blank Check series. They finally got around to doing Kubrick, folks. Ben-Hur, that's probably in the uh, in the genre. Hold on, I'm checking to see who wrote it. For some reason, I thought Trumbo did, but I could be totally wrong. Oh, yeah, Dalton Trumbo. <sighs> Good job. I know all these dumb things, but I've never seen the movie. <laughs> That's what film class does. You can't watch everything, so you just get a you get a little bit. Okay, okay. sorry. So would, 300 I, comes up. 300, yeah. Troy. Also, biblical epics. I, I was not off base when I said Ten Commandments. Biblical counts. Cleopatra is listed. By the way, they also call these peplum dramas, which I've never heard that term in my life. Oh, yeah. What's that mean? I don't know. Goliath. There's a movie about Goliath. Anyway, people are turning off the podcast. Shut up, Oscar. Hold on, now I've got to see Toga Party, 10 Sword and Sandal films to see, according to Rolling Ooh, Stone. Toga Party. Kabiria, 1914. I don't know what that is. Uh, Hercules, son of Samson. Spartacus, yes. All right. Validated. I think if there are swords and also sandals, and probably sand. Jason and the Argonauts. Okay, there you go. Clash of the Titans. There you go. Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> But can't you see all these folks marching around when they when they play that theme? And can't you see them marching right out of your TV? Trent was nuts about old movies. We know this. Do we? 
We do know this. I mean, I know movies he are his like... damn life. What What's he done as a career for the past <laughs> thirteen years now? She looked at me incredulously when no, I said, "No, but I was are always life. I always just thought of him more as a horror movie buff, not as some Mm-mm. sci-fi movie horror movie in the Cronenberg Lynch." And uh, cult classics kind of genre. Loved, I just don't picture him sitting around going, you know what? I'm loves, gonna I'm gonna watch Ten Commandments tonight. I think he's in omnivore movies. He loves Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Anyway, I'm just saying that's a different genre than what you said. So it's a cult pilgrimage. Class. Good track. It is taking us on a pilgrimage. It's a vehicle to get us to some possibly better tracks. Although it in itself is is good, I think. I agree. I no already lyrics. said no notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to expound on that since people want to hear a little more. But yeah, no, no real notes either. Okay. Is it time for a clip time? Yeah, we should probably go to that. Time for clip corner. Someone make me a Blake's Clips Corner drop. Why don't you make one? Eh, I'm tired of making stuff. I got enough stuff to make right now. Okay. My first clip is a an unusual vocal pulled out with AI software, vocalremover.org. Think those are the Buddha boys? Maybe. Doesn't sound like Trent, does it? Mm-mm. It could also Hildebrandt, Clint Mansell, other people, you know, who are musicians were mm-hmm. were there. Mm-hmm. So it could be them. I don't even know if they sing at all, but I assume they sing better than your average random bar patron. Probably. But, you know, your average bar patron could also surprise you. All I'm going to say is don't ask me to come record on your <laughs> album when I'm drunk or you're going to get Do me. Do ask me. You're going to get me screaming, I want it that way by the Backstreet oh Boys into the microphone. Then right after that, weird. Then we do hear Trent. Yeah. He's just kind of by himself. Mm-hmm. And we hear like the little high pitch whistle version of the uh, theme. I had to get the marching drums in there. So I split them out with the AI software. You can kind of hear, this is not the part from the end. Um, it's from the marching band section. You can kind of hear what what's what does sound like a marching bass drum and snare possibly. I spent enough time in marching band. I know what those things sound like, especially when played by teenagers who don't have very good rhythm. <laughs> um, and then my last clip, I didn't have a lot of clips for this one because I think the song mostly speaks for itself. I called my last clip Swords and Sandals Epic. <laughs>
hear I hear the sax there a bit. Yeah, I feel like Trent's saxophone comes out toward the end there. Definitely not what you uh, expect from Nine Inch Nails, but when you hear like the drone notes, like the single, it's very Trenty. That kind of dissonant single note that hangs over everything. I dig it. Me so. too. <laughs> Okay, we're back. All right. Do you know what song we're doing next? No. No, you don't. Damn it. <laughs> Oscar just like meowed in the exact same way that Jessica <laughs> sighed. God. Okay. This podcast is a mess. I'm it's sorry. no, you don't time. No, you don't. So, 10th track. And I want to announce some disappointing news, maybe. No, you don't. Has been retired from the Nine Inch Nails catalog. It'll well, it has not played again. Played actually, honestly, has been played since 2007, I believe. Yeah, and I don't think Pilgrimage has ever been played live. I believe you're right there. I think they um like they've played it through the PA. Yes, but not an actual performance of it. Although, whenever they get the uh, what were you the the shot glasses, <laughs> the shot glass marching band. Yeah, the shot glass marching band. <laughs> From a local New the Orleans, New Orleans high bead school. necklaces. <laughs> I'm sure they'll play live yeah. sometime. Yeah. Um, oh, they should have done that at the. Um, they'll have them Bridge parade school. on stage. A- apparently, they played "No, You Don't" on the Fragility 1.0 mm-hmm. in Europe, but I guess it didn't go well because they didn't continue playing it on the American leg. No, and then performance 2007, it was seen again, mm-hmm. but not seen since. So, but disappointing news. A lot of people have theories that Paige Hamilton from Helmet played guitar on this track. Blake? I gotta, yeah. Sorry to disappoint, but all signs point to no, he didn't. No, Paige don't <laughs> no, play <Paige> guitar. Don't. <laughs> um, and even in an interview uh, from Modern Fix in 2002, Paige is talking to the person who's interviewing him, and he says, that reminds me I need to get the bio on our website straightened out. There's something about me and Nine Inch Nails or something. And the interviewer's like, what? And he's like, hold on. Let me go to the website. Ah, here it is. Recently contributed guitar on one song from the forthcoming Nine Inch Nails record is totally not true. I played with them, but I'm not aware of any material coming out unless they, like, recorded it live or something. So the rumor probably came out because people, a lot of Nine Inch Nails fans probably like Helmet. Trent, uh, Trent liked Helmet. Trent liked Helmet. Helmet toured with Nine Inch Nails. And uh, Paige was involved with the Tapeworm Project. Yeah, that too. And can I play what I think is the biggest reason people misattribute it? Go for it. Ozzy Osbourne on vocals. <laughs> they sound so fucking similar, it's upsetting. That was unsung, by the way. 
helmet track. I don't think Blake, did you introduce yeah, that? Yeah, sorry. Um, Unsung, the guitar riff on Unsung is uh, very similar to No You Don't. The main No You Don't guitar riff, same key and everything, many of the same notes. Uh, so I think maybe Trent was just cribbing on that a little bit. Maybe he was digging on some helmet at the time. Maybe. Well, I don't really have a lot about this. We've already talked about some of the drum sounds in a previous episode when we talked about Somewhat Damaged yeah. and how um, those sounds were made. The really um, cool Charlie Clouser in the garage, I think, mm-hmm. hitting drums. Mm-hmm. It's going through a PA. They're micing the PA. It's also triggering samples. Yes. And those were used on um, Somewhat Damaged, Mark Has Been Made, just like you imagined, and a few others. Yeah. But- yeah, so I don't really have a lot in terms of the sound or how we got those sounds or... There's not too much to it. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff when you break it down, but maybe more has been made of... The lyrics. Yeah, what it's about and stuff. So yeah, so the lyrics. A lot of interesting lyrics kind of referring to an unnamed person or persons as almost being parasitic right teeth in the necks of everyone you know you can keep on sucking until the blood won't flow i wrote eek in my (laughs) notes eek that does not sound nice so in a guitar world interview in 2000 an interviewer asked reznor it's always dangerous to read biographical meanings into songs but one can't help but wonder if no you don't is about the dissolution of your friendship with manson and reznor said There were elements of that in there. I can't say I sat down and really thought, let me analyze my friendship with Manson dissolving. And that's nearing its end anyway, I believe, as far as our speaking to one another. What he's saying there is like, we're going to be friends again, (laughs) which they weren't. (laughs) Um, There was a brief moment when they kind of were again. But I I have theories about why the friendship did not take. And some of it is about uh, becoming a clean and sober person, which is something that Reznor wanted and something that Manson never really wanted. Yeah, you as just, far as I know, at least at that time. Mix. So there have been theories that it's about Manson, maybe about his falling out with Chris Vrenna. I don't know if I necessarily see that. I see it more as maybe a combination of, of yeah. different things. It can be about, I think it's about anger at, maybe it started about anger at someone and it kind of ballooned into anger at multiple people, possibly anger at a whole industry. And God knows that comes easy for Trent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no, you don't has a couple of different meanings, right? So no, you don't could be like an admonishment, right? Or mm-hmm. does that make sense? It's what you say to your cat when he jumps on his a- shit on your desk. <laughs> no, you don't. Get off there. I say, no, you don't. <laughs> Oscar. But it's also kind of, um, I don't want to say an affirmation. Uh, <laughs> Daily affirmation. That's not what I mean, but it's Reznor. basically at the end, he's like, You think you have everything? No, you don't, buddy. Um, yeah, right. So it's both like kind of a uh, scolding. But... And he's saying, You're not going to, like when he says, Taking all you need, but not this time. No, you don't. Like, mm-hmm. stop right there, buddy. You're not getting away with <laughs> You can't keep getting away with this, the song. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a popular Breaking Bad gif, okay? It's very good. Civil rights. <laughs> I got civil rights, bitch. <laughs> you can't evict me because civil rights. I think 
he should have made a sequel called Yes You Do. When he got a little, you know, when he became a family man and became had a more positive outlook. Yes, you do. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Jessica's like, Jessica's now in her fuck Blake mode. Full fuck Blake mode. That's not true at all. Because it's, it's fuck Blake o'clock. I'm just, I just checked uh, my watch here. <laughs> what? What? I was trying to think of a good no, you don't joke to insert there, but I couldn't think oh. of one fast enough. That's why I was kind of staring at you. Like, yeah, you think you know creepy. everything about me, Blake? No, you don't. How's that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know. You think you know what I'm thinking? No, mm-hmm. you don't. Okay. I just have to speculate when you kind of go into maybe a I'm thinking. State. Maybe I'm thinking. I know. I, so I have to speculate because you're not talking. That's my resting think face. Doesn't no, mean fine. go f yourself. <laughs> okay. But this so. song does. This song's a big middle finger. Oh, it is delivered as. It doesn't even have cursing it not a lot of cursing on the fragile comparatively um interesting that one of the angriest songs here no swears he doesn't doesn't say fuck anywhere you can just jessica's checking the uh checking the tape i i was just checking my i wrote i typed up the lyrics yeah uh yeah no you're right i was double checking to make sure youtube music the best you know streaming app in the world uh-huh has Way too many songs listed as explicit, including Pilgrimage, a song with no lyrics. <laughs> I don't know. I guess those Buddha Boy chants, they might be a little. They put it. They just did it on. I think they just put it on the album. So every track has that. But it's not on just like you imagined. It's not on the day the world went away. Then I don't know. They're Stupid. inconsistent. God, I hate these apps. Anyway. They need to hire a tech writer for consistency. YouTube, hire me. Ripe with decay, explicit. <laughs> What about the mark has been made? Um, sorry, that's explicit. Damn it. I can't let my nieces listen to that one. Just like this podcast has a big E next to it. Okay, so do you want to play the song? Oh, yeah. I do want to say mm-hmm. I've always fucking loved this track. <laughs> I think I've grown to like it the more that I've listened to it. But I think it's a Did grower, you... not a shower. Oh, maybe. For me, it had kind of an immediate appeal because it's just like had this kick-ass riff and cool quick uh drum patterns that go into double time i'm gonna change my grower not a shower to grower not a grabber does that make sense it doesn't rhyme but no i thought our, our whole thing was girther not a birther there's those cool drums girther not a birther makes absolutely no sense in any context except for <laughs> our context <laughs> Mocking, sardonic, Trent tone. Guess what, folks? If you're keeping track at home, we just rhymed Soul with Whole. That's this album's uh, iteration of that. There's a lot of background Trent vocals as... uh, Cool little falsetto there. I 
like this too. And it's like a lyricless chorus, sort of. It just lets the riff and drum machine speak for themselves. More Trent vocalization. And a cool little guitar solo section, if you could call it that. And a really wild Trent vocalization is coming up here. He's hitting some. He's hitting all the spots doing a little Tarzan boy. Never thought of that. Yeah. It's all over the place. Do you think he's Tarzan boying in a pillow? Kind of sounds like that. It's definitely the low-pass filter. Very, very Reznor-esque, bluesy type lick there. Shredding those lungs. I think I heard a tambourine come in there. But every hard rock song needs a little bit of tambo. We're about to come upon the the guitar is about to eat the eat the track. Listen here. That's the part that will blow your fucking speakers. Uh, if you're, if you've got it at full blast and you're not ready for that, deafen you. Yeah, I think the only album that's blown out my speakers that I know of was Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique. I used to go hard on that. Too much bass. Too many eight oh eights. Blew out two, two speakers. <laughs> Good grief, girl. So, do you have any clips for us? Yes, I. <laughs> the first thing I pulled, I separated some of the vocals. Um, and sorry for all the digital artifacting once again. But I always thought of Trent as a vocalist who never did vibrato until I heard the song um, God Break Down the Door. And mm-hmm. then, of course, uh, like over and out, I think. I was like, whoa, he's doing vibrato since when does he do this? There, there are hints of it. There were signs and portents in earlier albums. Uh, I just wasn't paying attention, but stuff like this. Just for Listen to that record. Just for Just so you know I did not believe That you could sing so low It's kind of crooning those those long-held notes. There's just such an interesting juxtaposition between the crooning and then the screeching. Yeah, I know. It's like he's really slowing it down to like a lounge act there. And then just because he's about to shriek, he has to rest his voice there. Uh, This is what I call the wet drums. Charlie in the garage. Really, sound has really grown on me here. 
probably more so knowing how it's done. You can, you can kind of hear it. Then the dry version, it's the same pattern, but you know, they could have backed off some of the garage reverb sound, um, some of the PA sound, whatever. They changed the mix, they didn't change the drums, but here's wet, here's dry. So it's a cool effect going from like the intro to the verse. And then my favorite, the drum machine kicks in. We're just jamming right now. Jessica's dancing. This this did make me dance in my chair. Mm. Dopest dance jam of 99. <laughs> Could be like CNC Music Factory or something. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't get enough of that. I'm not going to lie. And finally, from the end, um, I call this I call this distortion from hell. And I want to I mentioned the guitar that will blow out your speakers. I did want to uh, describe how it was done. They said what they did was run the guitar through um, our our old friend from the Downward Spiral Turbo Synth, which is the Macintosh software, um, to get the extremely like that extreme distortion you hear on the downward spiral, especially on stuff like Mr. Self-Destruct, they'd run the guitar tracks through turbo synth, um, which I recently looked into more how this software works. Uh, it's really interesting and weird and not at all like how we work today. Um, I'd recommend looking up videos of people using turbo synth of something you can't even use anymore. Um, but it's, uh, this is for my audio people out there. Essentially, it's wave shaping. It might do more things, but this is what they're doing with it on the on the guitars. And with wave shaping, you can so you can take the waveform of your guitar and basically make all the edges jagged, and it'll go from like kind of distorted to rip your head off in like two seconds. You have to like apply a light touch. They did not apply a light touch here at the end of no you don't they went full force with it and it will uh blow your system out it must have been wild to master this this part um yeah you know it's just right up there at right up there at zero db uh basically turns the whole thing into a square wave but it's a really cool effect uh good on them for going for it turbo synth that's all it takes no uh no special boutique pedals or, or filter sections from Vintage Sense. It's just a cheap little piece of old uh, Macintosh software where they digitally change the shape of the waveform. Uh, Jessica's now snoring, uh, so I'm going to go wake her up, and then we can move on to the next song, I guess. I'm oh, wait, I'm, I'll play fine. it. This is what TurboSense sounds like, folks. Distortion from Hell. Yeah, pretty effective. You know what's interesting? What? Is that ugly, ugly distortion mm. leads right into maybe one of the loveliest tracks in the 
Right. Nine Inch Nails discography. Remember when I said early on we were talking about the the sequencing and how they wanted originally they wanted to go from somewhat damaged, you know, the ugliness and distortion of that right into La Mer. Mm-hmm. They had to change the order around, but I think they wanted to get the same effect, so they put it right after uh, the end of No, You Don't. Same same dynamic of super loud to super soft. Yep. So it's time to talk about La Mer. 11th track. It's the penultimate track on the left side. So from what I know, this is the first instrumental that was written for the Fragile. It's not necessarily the first track. Because remember, I think there were demos for Somewhat Damaged yeah. that were already recorded, I think around the same time as The Perfect Drug, right? Yeah. So um, this is kind of the centerpiece of the album. It's the basis for Into the Void. And this is probably, this and Into the Void are probably my favorite tracks on The Fragile. Um, and probably in my top 10 favorite Nine Inch Nails tracks. So... I just, I love La Mer. Like, I always loved it. Um, This was probably the first track that I really, really, really connected with on the album, which is interesting. It doesn't sound normally like Nine Inch Nails does. And it's like, (laughs) other than some French spoken word, no lyrics. Mm -hmm. Why did you connect with it? Um, I think, I was trying to think about that, like why I connected so much with this track. And I had a really rough time my senior year. Um, when I was a junior in high school, my grandfather died, and I was really close with him. Um, and it was also the first death in my family. Like, I'd never had to deal with death before. I didn't know how to grieve or how to handle those kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. And also, I wasn't really getting along with my friends my senior year. I just felt really lost, I think. Mm-hmm. My mom was very depressed because she had lost her father. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, there was just a lot of retreating from the world, I guess. And because I felt like everything was kind of crumbling, I guess, around me, um, or I didn't know how to handle certain things, this song, I just thought it was, it was just a beautiful place where I could go and be comforted, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I... I would just go and um, I'd put this song on repeat at home and it was just always comforting, kind of like I was floating. Uh, Like I just felt really peaceful and at ease when I listened to it and I didn't have a lot of peaceful, easy feelings. (laughs) Haha, Eagles reference. Oh no. Um, (laughs) I just didn't really have a lot of peace in my life at that time and this was a track that I found um, some kind of, of, of comfort in. I guess, and beauty. And mm-hmm. there was a time in my life when I really, really needed that. So this track really provided that for me. It just provided this like peaceful escape. I wasn't having the same experiences, but I also felt like I needed it. I needed this whole album at the time. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that much of the album is about maybe loss, especially for someone who is maybe ill-prepared to suffer a big loss. That's just speculating on my part. Well, well, I think that in general, if you suffer a big loss, you're probably not prepared for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like, no, no one's ever prepared for mm-hmm. most losses, but maybe more than if you've, if you've never suffered a big loss. 
Uh, and then the song itself is, I don't know if you were thinking about this aspect at the time, but you know, it's about themes of ending oneself um, are also in there. So yeah, and we'll talk about that. So um, before we get into that, though, I guess we could just talk kind of about the basics of this track. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were talking about the vocals. There is a brief kind of spoken word part, mm-hmm. and that is provided by Denise Milfort. It's spoken, well, okay, from what I could find, it sounds like French. I believe it is actually French, Haitian, Creole. Mm-hmm. So... Like a, someone's going to have to correct me. I know nothing about this, but a combination of, of the two languages somewhere in the middle. I tried to do some translating today. It didn't, didn't go great, but mm-hmm. I think I got the, the, the gist of what well, was Mil- being said. Milfort is. Right. Of Haitian descent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was actually born in, in Haiti. Mm, right. And her family immigrated here to the States. That's right. And at the time, she was uh, Reznor's girlfriend. I believe they dated for several years. Dish, honey. <laughs> <laughs> honey dish. Reznor's girlfriend, you say. Mm-hmm. On the track. Mm-hmm. That's something I I don't think I knew until recently. Is it? I don't know if this is 100% confirmed or not, but I could see it being confirmed. I mean, I think they dated for several years. Okay, never so. mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, star of the screen, I think. Couldn't the find small a screen, maybe. Yeah, okay, maybe. Uh, model, I think she's known for right. modeling. Um, some small acting parts, and uh, I found her Instagram. She's a uh, very much into yoga. So that's oh, I didn't cool. know she had an Insta. I'll have to. Oh, I need to follow with nailed. I'll have to see if she'll follow. Should have had her on the show. Anywho. Yeah. So uh, more credits. Mm-hmm. The drums were provided. Ah, this is by where it gets interesting. A ministries drummer. Interesting. <laughs> no, sorry. it is interesting. No, I'm saying like it's interesting. Why? Why was this drummer chosen? Why? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's drummed for like everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Bill Rieflin. Um, I think I hope I'm saying that right. And R.I.P. to a great one. Um, no longer with us, but he drummed for Ministry. Uh, there's a million other ones. So I'll have to look it up real quick. I want to say revolting cocks. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they were all involved in every that. every industrial band that's ever existed. Okay, yeah, drum for Ministry, Revolting Cocks, KMFDM, Pig Face. All right, ringing any bells here? Swans. So every industrial nerd's um, dream drummer, and um, the poor guy left us just in 2020. Uh, but he was obviously, you know, you can tell by the this recording here that um he was really good i'm not even that familiar but i uh he's clearly talented should i talk about where it was done yeah so we've come across evidence that of course steve albini is credited on the fragile for recording drums we've recently come across uh some information Basically, you know, knowing a dude who knows a dude type stuff that uh, the Bill Rieflin drum loop here was recorded at Steve Albini's studio, Electrical Audio, which was a new-ish place at the time of recording, I believe. Um, I'm of the opinion that the La Mer drums are what were recorded there. 
um, whether or not Albini was in the room, I don't know. Anyway, it definitely sounds like, you know, stuff that comes from him more so than other drums on this album. Uh, it also sounds a lot more organic and human played than almost anything else on this album. But yeah, this is the only song uh, in the liner notes credited to Bill. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the song itself. Alan Mulder on La Mer, he said, The piano on La Mer is real. We didn't have a proper piano at the studio and often used samples, but when a real one was needed, we would go to Trent's house where he had a nice-sounding Yamaha Small Grand. We had it permanently mic'd up and would take a dat machine and a drum machine. Trent would listen to the drum machine, which was playing a click at the tempo of the song we were working on, and we would record the relevant pieces. He would hold his headphones to the mic so we could use them as a timing reference. It worked great as we got a nice piano sound in a nice sounding room, so it didn't sound like your average studio recording. Trent is very fussy about his piano sounds and has given me a good education on them, so the sounds he uses live will have had the same consideration. That combined with the fact that he is a fantastic piano player. Um, that was on a Pro Sound web forum in October 2010. But I think that we can also credit writing La Mer with maybe the song that inspired Trent to get back into music again, mm -hmm. reminding him that he really loved music and possibly even, not to be like melodramatic or anything, but possibly even saving his life. Yeah, in a way, sure. Yeah. And this was, well, well, we'll get to it, but the the one song that supposedly came out of going to Big Sur to try to write songs. Yeah. And also, he hosted, what was the show on um, the Australian music video show? Was it called Rage? I think it was, yeah. Rage? Um, when he was on that show, it's basically like a video show that a musician sometimes will host and introduce like their favorite videos or whatever. And Trent was the host of it that night. And he introduced like a Tribe Called Quest video. I can't remember which track it was, but he was talking about how in Big Sur he listened to a lot of a Tribe Called Quest. And I'm hmm. wondering, because La Mer has a bit of like a, well, it has not a bit, but it has like a great groove to it. It's got a shuffled groove. Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of like this nice kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but I wonder if that was a little bit influenced by what he was listening to at the time again. Um, sure. Because I feel like, you know, A Tribe Called Quest has a lot of great, just like... Especially when you get too into the void, it, it gets a lot more hip-hop-y in, in feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beat-wise. So, um, I want to, before we go into the song, and I have a couple more items to talk about, but I did think it'd be interesting to listen to Trent talk about... La Mer throughout the ages. <laughs> so, yeah. so whenever he was first doing like the big promotional run for The Fragile, I have a little little short clip from that. And then later on at a show in Mansfield, Massachusetts, there's a clip on that where he... Uh, he lets us in on some really heavy exactly. backstory to it. <laughs> uh, Very heavy. Yeah. And then he discussed how the song has changed for him just recently at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Q&A. La Mer was always a, the favorite track and one of the first ones written, the Alan Moore's mind. And, and that one was one like, I don't think it's, it all sounds like what you would expect Nine Inch Nails to sound like, but was um, fun to work on. About 10 years ago or so, I, uh, I locked myself away in a house in the ocean, and I tried to, uh, I said I was trying to write music, some of which wound up on the fragile, but what I was really doing was trying to kill myself. And the whole time I was away by myself, 
and then destroy one song, which is this song. So when I play it, I feel pretty weird about it. Because it takes me back to a pretty dark and awful time in my life. It's weird to think how different things are now. I'm still alive. I haven't died yet. I'm afraid to go back to that place because it feels kind of haunting to me, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to get married again. Certainly through the 90s, every song was written from a place of I wasn't writing music because I wanted to experiment with form. It was, right. I had to get it out. So it was coming from a place of um, desperation in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, and some of those when I revisit now or we think about what we're gonna play in sets or what we feel like playing. Sometimes a relationship, it changes from something that might have been felt scary or mm -hmm. confessional and intimate to becoming something that's more it just changes, you know. Like I, I was thinking, say a track like La Mer was written in a pretty bad place in my life where it was meant to feel like just walking into the ocean and, and extinguishing yourself fearlessly. Um, now it feels different. It feels like the opposite of that. Um, it feels redemptive in a way. Yeah. The end. <laughs> I like the the end. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to talk any more about it? The end. Bye. Yeah, every time I'm done saying stuff on this podcast, I should say the end. So we'll you'll just start know when signing to off like that. The end. Uh, he did say it. It was kind of hard to hear, but he said he was going to get married there at Big Sur. And what are we're recording on their wedding anniversary? What? I didn't even think about that. But yeah. I guess, was that the first people were hearing of him about to get married? Oh, I'm not certain on that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that may have been a surprise announcement. I don't know about that. I feel like people mm. knew. I, I mean, I just feel like I he has know. such like you know a passionate sure. fan base that I'm I'm pretty sure that I wasn't very plugged in at the time. I was not either. I was just like, wait, he's married and he has how many children now? Yeah. Uh, in 2009, I barely had functioning internet people. I didn't have a smartphone. The dark ages, apparently. It wasn't, uh, but I didn't have a lot of money, and I was working two jobs. I was never at home. I was never online. Yeah. It was rare. Anyway. But yeah, I didn't really, I wasn't really uh, tuned in to a lot of what was going on in the Nine Inch Nails world at that time or or in Trent's life. I wonder why he chose that place to go back to and get married. Maybe it has more meaning I think it's to... just a, uh, it was a place where he thought about Indina's life and maybe it was to go and show that he was in a better place and starting a new life. Yeah, he could like reclaim the place. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just real quick before we listen to it, I want to talk about the title and where it, it means came from. the sea. <laughs> it does, but it was also in a Yahoo chat, Reznor, when he was asked about if he was inspired by any particular like classical composer, he immediately said Debussy. He said, I was sitting in Big Sur, losing my mind. 
His contribution was that you need to be regimented with whatever you decide to do. When I was sitting there, Debussy and I had a mind meld for a second. I felt the need to plagiarize the title, La Mer. He revolutionized the Mozart bullshit world of everything rigid and stabilized. Oh, is that a Debussy title? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. Why should I know that? Okay. I'm just a dumbass. And then... (laughs) Like, I know classical music. Look, the tiny bit I know about classical music is because I used... When I worked at... The music department at Barnes & Noble, I had to alphabetize those fucking mm. CDs all the time in the classical music. Okay. So I would have to go through and alphabetize all those pieces. So that's, you know, I, I know very, very little. But anyway, I also just wanted to read the English translation of the lyrics before we listen to the song. Mm-hmm. And this is also a song with one of our favorite reoccurring mm. lyrics. Three albums in a row. Nothing can stop me now. So, mm-hmm. but in, in French this time. That's right. <laughs> Creole. So, uh, the translation is And when the day arrives, I'll become the sky and I'll become the sea. And the sea will come to kiss me, for I am going home. Nothing can stop me now. The song Home. He has a song called Home. Is that connected? I don't know. Yeah. There's kind of just a reoccurring theme and a lot of these albums and songs of finding your place and finding your home. Mm-hmm. So I am home. I am free. Or does he say whole? I'll never know. I'm pretty sure it's home. Yeah. And it's even nicer when you hear the Denise vocals. But I mean, it's talking about something dark, but in like the prettiest way. So what, should we play it? Play it. Okay. La Mer. like a big upright bass or concert bass whatever you call it and then that I feel kind of dumb because I can't pinpoint exactly what that is sounds like a weird piano (laughs) I always just thought it was a piano (laughs) now I feel dumb he's playing he's playing the grand piano but this other thing has a very different tone to it. It's like we're hearing the hammer sound and the uh, the main theme is just so soft. she's done saying that part the drums almost jump scare you come right in and then in addition to the big uh, stand-up bass we have now just a bass guitar doing that into the void lick that groove that I love so much yeah what I love about the song is that you you think it's a song in three then the beat comes in in four so it's you know three and four being played off of each other it's cool it's throws you off kilter a bit but it really works 
some guitar noises. Probably some cello coming in. And it really is just that, you know, that one piano line the whole way through. It's got to be kind of grueling to play that live, and they do play this live. But it's like nah it's not that long of a song it's not that long but no matter what happens musically in the song that piano line just stays even if it even if it seems to clash or becomes dissonant that little two-part harmony just persists After the drum stop, I think we hear some like bongo sounding stuff come in. It's kind of I think that's some kind of like hand drumming, yeah. Mimicking or a very muted version of the beat that we just heard. Beast comes back in to say nothing can stop me now several times. Kind of like the way that piggy ends. cello or violin harmony there that's added just at the end of its cool and then the great below dissonant noise comes in uh, overlaps there okay yeah the more i listen to that one the more i do place it in like the top tier of nin songs for all time you know it's definitely one of the all-timers i agree i already said this so. yeah i know i know you agree but i i i guess it took me a while to kind of realize Okay, so I just isolated the bass. Because it just sounds so cool. And then of course, can't get enough of that drum loop from Bill Rieflin. That hi hat on the on the upbeats. That snare roll there. Too cool. Right in if you think that uh, drum sound sounds like electrical audio. It's a joke for one person. Not really a joke, more like a uh, educated guess. Um, 
the first time we hear Denise Milfort. It's like haunting to hear her isolated here. Yeah. There's a cool echo effect also going on. What were you going to say? I was just going to say she could whisper in my ear yeah. all night long. So, <laughs> you know, the people get a little too excited uh, when we do some certain isolated Trent vocals. Mm-hmm. This is this is the one where I'm like, yeah. Hey. I, I like I'm, I like this. I just this said I that like. I, I dug it. It's so nice. It is very nice. And you don't get to hear enough of it in this track because it's so buried. Yeah, I... I really like it a lot. Uh, here, I'm going to play it again. It again. That's it. I'm going to New Orleans. So those are the first two lines. Yeah, this is the, the N-I-N-A-S-M-R if I ever heard it. <laughs> um, My mom used to like this movie with Dennis Quaid where he played some like I don't know, cop or something in New Orleans. I can't remember, but she loved it because he always said like share, like in that gambit, mon chéri. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, gambit, hottest X Man ever. Oh my god, yeah, maybe because of his voice, you weirdo. Yeah. Hey, he had a cool. Uh, what was his? What do you call those face things that he was wearing? I forget. It has a special called. name where yeah. there's just like the hole for their face yeah. and like their hair. What is that thing called? Yeah. Like, Animal Man also wears one. Yeah, it's like you're wearing a, a hood or a face mask, but your face, there's a hole for your face, like she said, hole for your face, hole for your hair. That's it. So that your beautiful quaff uh-huh. is not hidden by And your the, beautiful face if you're, right. a, if you're a good looking mutant or a and good your, looking- Your glowing pink eyes like Gambit. Yeah. But anyway. okay, so what you just heard was her saying the first two lines. Um and then this is the end part where she says, nothing can stop me now, repeatedly. But there's something really wild. I call this file, nothing can stop Denise now. I am laughing. Hard to isolate it again because it's so quiet and whispered in there. Mm -hmm. But that is just her saying the line, nothing can stop me now repeatedly, like at the end of Piggy. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like at the end of Ruiner. She laughs. She giggles in there. What do you think's going on there? Maybe she'd been listening to a lot of Janet Jackson lately. Does she giggle a lot? She giggles a lot. <laughs> it's Janet Jackson has like the best laugh slash giggle you've ever heard. Just I'm just going to do the giggle again. <laughs> Maybe she was like uncomfortable recording and just had a nervous laugh and, and Reznor stuck it in there because he liked it. Do you think he was tickling her toes? <laughs> what? Why'd you say that? You know those like disgusting studio legends like Axl Rose was getting sucked while he was. Well, that's not a legend. That was like true. 
Even if it is true, it's so stupid. Anyway, it's just rock and roll excess, baby. The uh, the La Mer legend is uh, Denise was getting her toes tickled with a feather. Blake is starting this legend. No one has ever claimed this. Blake is making shit up. She laughed for a reason, folks. That's all I'm saying. It may have been just like maybe Trent made her laugh. Maybe something made her laugh. Maybe it was jitters or nerves, like you said, and it wasn't planned. And it just, it's like she is talking about drowning herself in the sea, to be sure. Um, But the tone is totally, you know, there's the lighthearted tone of of the music, of, of the piano and everything. There's giggles. There's Gentle Whispers, my favorite YouTube channel. Um, Blake's other favorite YouTube channel, girls who just eat an enormous amount of bright colored food. Hey, I don't watch that one anymore. Um, Me. Those get gross fast. It's just, it's very interesting to me. No, I mean. We're talking about drowning If I had never looked up like the lyrics or the translation in, in the liner notes, like I never would have thought the song was about that. Would you? Like if you just no, listened to the music and if you not just heard like her yep. whispers and you heard that groove and you mm-hmm. heard, you know, her laughter. Because you can hear her laugh. It's not yeah, that buried. Right. Not about a self-drowning unless you. You would not think it's about suicide. Right. So He's drowning himself in the sea and you're laughing? That but maybe. Someone needs to do the meme. Maybe it's kind of the joy of, of thinking that you're going home. Right. So what if like thinking about it in a in an almost victorious way? He did say in that I think in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame interview, fearlessly doing this. Mm-hmm. So like, yep, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it. I'm gonna go to my final home and I'm gonna see all the people I love again. Where where are we going if we walk into the sea? What are we headed towards? I just hope that if I'm going to walk into the sea and drown, that I get to see a Dumbo octopus on my way down because they're really fucking cute. The hell is that? Look it up. Is it an, an elephant? Oh, I guess I'm going to look this up. Hang an on. elephant? Did you just say, is that did an you elephant? Say, did you say Dumbo? Dumbo octopus. Is it an, an octopus that looks like an elephant? I, I accidentally searched for dumb octopus. No. <laughs> But it took me to the right place. It's I just think. kind of silly looking. Look at it. <laughs> He's just a silly little guy. Yeah. Oh, they're so weird. Aren't they cute? Kind of looks alien. I love oh. it so much. It's because he looks like the Disney guy, huh? That's why they named it. Oh, it's got big ears like Dumbo. Mm. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Isn't it cute, though? This should be an Animal Crossing character. Mm, I know. Like this little guy. It's so cute. Anyway. See? Right here. I know. It's adorable. Um, but these these last two songs on this, the first disc, first CD, left, are really of a piece, I think, right? Because the, they're about the same thing. They definitely have these same themes. Um, yeah. Great Below is just the non-instrumental version. I guess it's about the place you go if you're going to drown yourself. You're, That's where you end up. But before we transition into that, just one more thing. And I forgot to mention this, too, whenever we talked about No, You Don't. But there are Hillebrandt remixes of both No, You Don't yeah. and of La Mer. And if you want to play a little bit of the La Mer, and we can kind of talk over it just to yeah. give a taste of it. I think the La Mer one is great. I like I like his No, You Don't as well. 
I just want to say, fuck the Snyder cut. Release the Hillebrand cut of The Fragile. <laughs> I want to hear. You, is there a cut of the whole album? I don't know, but I want to hear. I want all the Hillebrand remixes. He contributed so me. much good stuff to this album. Like The Frail exists because of him and his remix. The stuff he does with noise and weird sounds is. It's changing the way I think about noise. That sounds stupid, but it is. Well, we talked about how in the downward spiral, maybe like. Vrenna had a lot to do with the soundscape, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that Hillebrand contributed a so, lot yeah. to the soundscape of The Fragile. Vrenna was like the secret weapon on that one to the, the overall tone of it, and possibly Hillebrand was on, the, on this one. Which is something I did not know or think about until we right. started researching for Me this. Neither. I love his beat that he does here. I think Jerome Dillon is also credited on this oh, really? remix. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, there's some drumming later on. Yeah, and these were also available on, um, was it the NIN Remix site where they were first yeah. posted? Yeah. yeah, and you can still find them on YouTube to listen to. But yeah, toward the end, there's some really interesting drumming that's like, whoa, that's out of left field. Um, and it sounds like a live drummer. Wasn't expecting that. That's probably Jerome if he's credited. But yeah, notice the, you know, our favorite piano melody is is gone entirely it's of the cello yeah and some of that the guitar droning and a really interesting beat and also we're kind of staying in the three four mode so far okay this drum part here Yeah, I like how we're still staying in the in the three. That's a kick-ass drum part. I think this should have been on the Things Falling Apart remix album. Yeah, I think it's it's good enough. Could have taken one of the star fuckers off. I'm waiting for the and off to one side. think of any laughing in another Nine Inch Nails track? She's gone away. Does that count? Where he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. I can't do it. I mean, that's not really as lighthearted as this. No, it's, a, <laughs> it's the evil laughter of hate. Uh, it's not exactly a giggle, but it sounds like twisted laughter. To the Joker, it would just be regular laughter. I'm the Joker, baby. Anyway, yeah, you don't hear a lot of laughing in their music. That's all I'm saying. So, 
Was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Nope, I had no more clips. All right, the end. The it's, great below. The end. It speaks for itself, <laughs> mostly. Okay, last track on the left side of the fragile. Um, We're there. Yeah, so this one, we have some interesting credits. So Danny Loner is credited with guitar ambiences. Yeah. And then Klauser is credited with atmospheres. So <laughs> these are getting more vague. Would as love they go. to know what that, that could means. mean. Anything? Is there a drone? Is there like what? What did he do? I don't know. And then Adrian Ballou back play some guitar. That I'm pretty sure we know what he did. As far as the Charlie, to be specific, it's end melodic guitar. Yeah, they're well. They are specific on that credit. Mm-hmm. As far as the the Klauser, um atmospherics is that what it says just says atmospheres he did say later that he did the big drum hits that we'll get to okay if you want to call those atmosphere sure okay well we do have a couple of quotes from Mulder about this track and from Klauser Mulder says and we're talking about the synth specifically the echoing synth on the grate below he said it's a bowed cello through a synth that had an input for audio processing, and it also had an echo on it, which is what you hear. So again, it's a processed organic instrument. Trent does this sort of thing quite a lot. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> again, there is no set processing done, just kind of what he is into at that moment. And then he says the strings on the grate below are again a mix of real and samples. The key to them, I think, is the delay on the cellos that seem to give it the bounce and the sound. I think we started with samples and may have added some samples we made. We did a lot of sampling of Trent playing notes on cello, violin, and upright bass because it wasn't an instrument he was particularly adept at. It gave them a great tension and fragility that suited the record. Tension Tension and fragility. Fragility. Key words. That we keep coming back to for Nine Inch Nails. Can you throw the word dissonance in there somewhere? (laughs) Also, you know, processed and organic. Right. So Klauser says, if I'm remembering it right, I actually did those womps, the deep tribal drums at the beginning. Thump, thump. It was some random drum sample through the JP8080 in filter bank mode. I always feel like I'm reading the craziest stuff when I read <laughs> about yeah, gear. Well, this is where I come in. <laughs> okay. I, w- I was thinking of the, I got the JP. I got this confused earlier, but I was thinking of the JP8080. This is the uh, Roland synth module. They were just running it through the filter, so they were uh, doing low pass, and you hear those big doom doom drum hits. You're you're only hearing the very lowest frequencies because they've they, they could have done this with I guess any EQ in the world. They they made it harder than it had to be, but I guess the results were good. Um, yeah, they they filtered out the highs of of those. Big old drum hits. I guess they're just, as he said, random samples they found. Yeah. He said, my memory of how that sounded coming off our backing tapes through a stadium PA is the only reason I haven't tossed the JP8080. It was a biatch. Literally said (laughs) biatch. Getting that recorded cleanly without breakup and fizz all over the sound due to the analog IO on the JP8080. Input output. Ah. Okay. Just the, you know, literally just the jacks to go in and out of a piece of gear people just say i slash o for short okay got ya so that's all i have really about the sound of the great below it was played 
Um, I think it made its live debut on November 14th, 1999, but has not been played since 2000. So It's on the, and all that could have been DVD. It's awesome. Cool visuals to go with it as well. Again, just a lot of, if you're looking at the lyrics, this is literally about <laughs> uh, being drawn into the ocean and... And staying down there. Exactly. In that, it's almost like romanticizing the place you're going to go. And the way you're going to get there. Yeah. Definitely. This is definitely like a centerpiece. And I mean, it makes sense it's in the center of the album halfway through. This and La Mer just have big centerpiece energy to the the whole album itself, I think. Yeah. But this one is harder for me to get through because it is more obvious what it's about. Whereas La Mer is, like we said, that it has a sound that contradicts the meaning, right? Yeah. Whereas this, the sound and the the lyrics are very obvious. And so yeah, for me, it's harder to get through. I can see that. I love, I love this one. I love hearing it. I love the sound. I think it's a beautiful track. This is just, this is a, this is a top tier one for me. It's a beautiful track, but it's because of the lyrical content. It's harder for me to listen to. I think, I think it's beautiful, but I don't necessarily uh, want to hear this song all the time. It's just harder for me to hear, I guess. Does you do that have, make sense? Yeah. You probably have to be in the right mood to hear it. Like, I don't want to just like jam to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's perfectly placed where it's at. Yes. Um, it's a good side ender. Yeah. And it, it's great following La Mer. Putting into the void after La Mer would have been way too obvious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they were thinking differently early on. Like, La Mer was all, almost a, an, an intro part. But, yeah, I don't know. It did end up nice this way especially since yeah thematically they're they're linked the la mer in it great below so should i play it play it such a arch dark sound to that whatever that string is there best pluckies right there I'm kind of leaning toward that being again a ukulele strangely enough I can hear that and there's that what is apparently Trent playing the cello echoing around there with the delay on it I always thought it was like a synth string is there hope for me after all is said and done, there's less big thumps. Anything at any price. All of this for you. All the spoils of a wasted life. All of this for you. And the ukulele motif gets replaced by big dramatic piano and string I guess not replaced it's still there 
interesting structure to the song. It's really just one verse, one chorus, and then one outro. It's more and more dramatic until it's like exploding. I really like these backup vocals coming up here. The ooze. Pretty amazing vocal performance there. Hitting those notes, just damn. I believe that's Baloo playing some slidey guitar. I'm sorry, do you mean end melodic guitar? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> slidey. It's definitely not what we're used to hearing. More exotic. When the slidey guitar comes in, that's when I really love the song. Oh, really? It's going to sound dumb, but I think it's just these last two lyrics that he repeats over and over. Oh, interesting. That's not what I think of when I think of what I love about the song, even though it is a really cool outro. It's like a, just a hypnotic... Mm-hmm. You know I like that looping. hypnotic stuff. Yeah, I know. I love the big, epic, uh, dramatic <laughs> chorus. That's what I'm into. I like to be soothed, and this part is actually soothing and not hard to get through, I guess. Do you like it? Yeah, there haven't been drums in this song other than the deep hits until here. Mm-hmm. And this drum loop is all over the place, going left to right, filters going wild on it. But they ran those drums through the JP8080, you know? Big dissonant drones. I don't know how those were made. See how we end the left half with foreboding noise? Forlorn. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to call them. It's kind of like the middle of a movie or something when you think all is lost, maybe. I'm not sure. So, speaking of movies, mm-hmm. this was used in a movie. Did you know that? No, I did not. Or if I did, I forgot about it. <laughs> well, it was used in Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Is that a Denzel Washington That's movie? That's a Denzel Washington movie. I think Clint Mansell did the score. Oh, that and Reznor was credited as like a soundtrack, as like a Co- contributor consultant. of sorts or oh, okay. a consultant. Yeah. And I think there were several Nine Inch Nail songs that were used huh. on that. I've never seen the movie. I, rem- I haven't seen it either. I remember. I also feel like it's probably something that you should have watched at the time. Like, I, I don't yeah. know if it's something it's that I care about watching almost 20 years later, you know? Yeah. 
so I probably won't ever watch it. No offense to anyone who worked on that film. I just probably should have seen Denzel's it at the Denzel's listening right now. He's he's crying. He's canceling his Patreon. He's like, F you guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So do you have any clips for us? Yes, I have the most clips for this one. <laughs> okay. Sounds like somebody's got a favorite. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But maybe I am. Okay. For this one, I wanted, I thought the vocal performance was good enough. It deserved to be highlighted. Some of the best vocal performance on the whole album, I think. Do you think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. No, I was, I was trying to just, uh, you know. Yeah. Think, it's hard. I put you on the spot to pick, but let's listen to some of this. Staring at. Oh, I like. I cleaned this up and I did some like magic, digital Ooh. magic to it. Yeah, it sounded a little bit cleaner than the vocals yeah. normally well, I do with this. Well, I added reverb and stuff. Ah, uh, okay. Staring at the sea, will she come? Is there hope for me? After all is said and done. Anything at any price All of this for you All the spoils of a wasted life All of this for you Then he just gets more and more dramatic from there. He continues on to the chorus part. All the world has closed to rise. I really like these harmonies. Hang on. I'm sorry to pause in the middle of a beautiful thing, but I just remembered something I wanted to talk about that I don't think we did. Do you know what I'm going to say? It's about grammar. Uh-oh. What are you going to say? He says, the destiny I've chose. That's the second time on this half of the album that he used chose when he should have used chosen. But it doesn't rhyme. It's it true. doesn't fit the scheme. In both cases, and, you're right. And... I, as a technical writer, I am not nearly as pedantic as you, <laughs> but also I think that there are times where you can, you have to fudge the rules to make yeah. it work. And so I don't have a problem with this. Yeah. And the other one is we're in this together, um, down the path we have chose rather than chosen. Both cases, it's to make a rhyme. Um, I'm less pedantic about grammar as I go, like... I'm not as much as I used to be. I think whatever's best for the song. It's just, and it's fine to break the rules of grammar in song lyrics. Like, it's perfectly fine. Song lyrics, poetry, you gotta right. make it work. But it's weird that it's the same strange uh, breaking of the rule twice on the, the album. For the same word? Yeah, for the same word, same rhyme. He does go back to the same same rhyme schemes sometimes. Okay. All the world has closed to rise. 
that that high part. That could have been fans pointing. screams on the whole album just letting it speak for itself a bit there you okay yeah sorry um just hits a bit different whenever you don't have the backing track you mean what when you don't have the instruments yeah yeah it does hit different i like it though especially with the ooh in the background by the way that little um it's like doubled on piano the ding, 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 ding. That comes back on the song and all that could have been. So they're like sibling songs. A lot of sibling songs for this album. Yeah. Um, for the end vocals, I feel kind of dumb. I noticed something that I never really put together. I mean, I knew that the the line I can, <laughs> the lyric about I can still feel you, um, we hear it in. Uh, what is it, underneath it all, toward the end of the album. Mm -hmm. But I guess I didn't realize that it's the exact same rhythm and melody. Here, listen to it. I can still feel you. Like, that could be from, I I haven't checked if they're in the same key, but that could be from either song. The all I do. I can still feel you. But that's not underneath it all. That's great below. So weird. Probably on purpose. I mean, maybe maybe that is a little offshoot of this song. You know how he'd be making one thing and <laughs> get an idea for another thing. Yeah, wasn't it Hillebrand who said the album was really an album of tangents where they yeah. would just start one song and then get excited and mm-hmm. it would veer off in another direction and be a new song. So it's like piano, guitar solo. That Why don't I make that its own thing? Um and when you're in the studio two years, you can do that. Okay. The echoey strings that you talked about, um, I believe uh, Mulder was talking about Trent playing little cello parts that they put a delay on. I kind of always thought that was just synthesized, but it's kind of cool if it was real. I call this Return of the Uke. <laughs> Do 
just that little thing. Like, do you think that's a ukulele as well? It's all over this album. Probably. Let me go get my niece's ukulele and try okay. to play that jam, and we'll see. Ooh, we definitely need to try. It's just a really well played ukulele, but you can hear a nylon string, you know, versus a steel string. Just love that they let the uke do like the main line of the main motif of this track. Um, that that little three note thing does come back several times in the album. We already heard it and we're in this together. Um, these are the low thuds that Charlie Clouser claimed to have played and low pass filtered. Underneath uh, the verse part. So that's a lot of bass. Sounds like you could just be listening to a horror film score if you yeah. just with this little. Well, I mean, look what he went into after that. Yeah, and if if your stereo system doesn't have good low end like mine didn't, you won't realize that's even there until way later, which was the case for me. I isolated the bass from the big dramatic chorus part because I feel like it doesn't get enough recognition. Just like. It doesn't get enough get enough love because it's like hard to tell it's even there. There's a lot going on. And that's leading into that cool uh, end bass part. Oh, this is the thing I believe that's in um, and all that could have been the song. Finally, the drums from the end that Jessica loves. <laughs> Did you say you love them? I didn't necessarily say that. It was a slidey guitar. Oh, yeah. You, you love the... Oh, this is what you love. And then just the, the repeated, Adrian I can still Ballou. feel you. Yeah. I'm playing multiple clips at once, fucking around. <laughs> DJing. Having too much fun with this. Yeah, sorry. So I think the drum is. I mean, it's likely it's just um, sequenced drum hits from, you know, whether it's out in the garage or however they did it. That's probably more likely than it being a human player. Or, yeah, you know what I mean by now. The main thing is that it's just going 
left and right all across the stereo field and it's doing all sorts of weird filter stuff. So I put it in mono to kind of rein it in. So you can just kind of hear what it sounds like while in the center here. Really cool part. I don't know. I just dig it. It's nice. Okay, I think that's all I had. Any any thoughts or comments? Ten out of ten. No notes. <laughs> Great below another ten out of ten song. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Those were some cool. You're clips. welcome for pulling these clips, slaving over a hot uh, reaper, <laughs> <laughs> slaving over hot wave files. Okay. Um, the end. Left side, the end. The end. Please applaud. <laughs> Why are you jebbing this up? I, I pulled a jeb, sorry. Low energy jeb. Low energy jeb. Thanks for sticking with us for all of left. I feel like we should come back with a, with new artwork for the right half. We'll see. Man, what a what a ride. What a journey. It's been a crazy ride into the sea, and I guess we'll find out uh, where we go from there. <laughs> I can tell you where we go and what we're going to do next time, if you want to know. Okay. So you want to spoil our, it? Fine, I'm going to spoil it. So our next episode, uh, just kind of going along the fragile here, we're going to be talking about the way out is through, into the void, where is everybody, and the mark has been made. Damn, that's a loaded up side right there. I like them all. What can I say? <laughs> I don't care if the mark has been made. Well, it's, it's fine. Respect. I was kidding. I was just trying to do my Lucille Bluth. I don't care for Job. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. We we'll we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, hope you listen. So, what else? Anything else we need to talk about? Do we have any new patrons we need to shout out? Uh, I will do that. What are we doing bonus-wise next bonus episode in between the episodes? Our next episode will hopefully have a special guest. That's right. We're hoping for yet another special guest that I think people will be excited about. Okay, new patron shout-outs. Um, we are lucky enough people keep joining, so thank you. Thank you to Genetic. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, It's Mira. Uh, thanks to Mark P. Love your work, Mark. What? QB Craft. Did I say that right? I think so. Shout out to QB Craft and thanks for playing Quake with me. By the way, if you become a patron, one of the perks that we don't talk about much, you get to play video games with us. Okay? <laughs> like, imagine. There are all kinds of perks we don't advertise. Because we legally can't. That sounds bad. That's not what I meant. I, was no, I don't think that's true. I think we can legally say whatever we want. I was thinking about the thing that one of our patrons made. And finally, shout out to Aaron and the rest of our patrons. Thank you for continuing to subscribe. Couldn't do it without you. Um, if you want to get... Uh, we have a bunch of bonus episodes now. Patreon.com slash NailedPod. You can also join our very active Discord um, 
Yeah, you guys are posting so much, I can't keep up Yeah, anymore. I can't keep up anymore. It, it's an active community that we have. I'm not going to say that it's more fun than the official Nin Discord, but... As not, someone who never goes in there, yeah. we can't say that. I'm not not going to say that, you know what I mean? Um, and other perks, you know, you get discounts on our merch store. Check out our merch store, too. We have shirts and stuff. We have a screaming pillow. It's true. There is a screaming pillow. And hats. Also, I want to give a shout out to someone. Oh, this sounds serious. <laughs> it's not serious. I mean, it is. This is oh. a serious shout out. Okay. But a few months ago, I ordered these candles from Etsy that oh. are Nine Inch Nails themed candles. And I ordered them from an Etsy seller. The shop is called Smoke and Sugar. And um, the shop features just all kinds of cool stuff but a lot of it is inspired by nine inch nails um they make fragrance oils inspired by nine inch nails they make candles inspired by nine inch nails we currently have a um candle burning that's the la mer candle it smells mm -hmm. amazing and it's it also like beautiful sea. um yep. and also it was a little bit late showing up and so the seller tossed in a free candle uh for the perfect drug that was so new it hasn't even posted to the site yet yeah. uh as a I'm so sorry I shipped these kind of late uh, present. So thank you so much um, to Smoke and Sugar. Um, yes. Check them out. We'll post, I think we can post their candles on Instagram, right? Yeah, post them. Um, but they have candles that are inspired by songs like The Wretched. I wonder what that smells like. Probably Hold Wretched. On. I'm going to look up the description and see. I hope it doesn't smell like the hole with the shit in the piss. That's... But maybe it does. Anyway, Emily Marine is the owner of Smoke and Sugar. So thank you, Emily. Thank you. Um, and I will say, we've only burned the La Mer, and it smells amazing. But you can get the Great Below. You can get the Frail. You can get Head Like a Hole, even. <laughs> Interesting. So check out Emily's shop. It is called Smoke and Sugar. And no, I did not get paid for this. And I bought the <laughs> candles. This is not an ad. Not a paid ad, folks. Mm -hmm. I bought these myself. So anyway... Um, Go out and support an independent seller. Speaking of not a paid ad, now I want to talk about Blue Chew. <laughs> and after that, I want to talk about me undies. <laughs> okay. Did I mention we're selling NFTs? Do does me undies still have quite the presence on podcasting that they used to? Because whenever I don't, I don't feel like they do. I feel like they're okay now. They don't need to spin yeah, the podcast advertising. But you know what's funny is I I did have a subscription briefly and I kept forgetting to f and cancel it so i'd get all these yeah these undies i need to get in some the mail ones. it's been a while but what's funny is like the credit card i had for it expired and i'm like Phew, thank god because i kept forgetting to cancel my subscription so mm -hmm. every month i get a notice that's like hey someone tried to charge your card <laughs> but your card's expired update it and i'm like nah i'm not gonna update it anyway long story right. short We've i just remember me undies <laughs> being quite the presence on podcasts and now they're not yeah and so, they, are you okay, me It worked. It worked, because I bought them. It did work. Um, our, we've overstayed our welcome in people's ears, probably. So, uh, have a great day, a great commute, whatever you're doing. A great... Uh, doing dishes. Yeah, great doing, doing laundry, dishes. Great walk with a gummy. A great... Walking the dogs. What? Okay, th these are all things that people tell us they do. Walking the dogs. Uh, if you're moving, some people tell us that they listen to us as they are driving back and forth moving things. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it was one of our jacks who said that. Uh, working out. And mm. people have done that. Mm -hmm. which, that's mm -hmm. flattering. Hope you're enjoying your workout, Van Dad. Taking a hot girl walk. <laughs> Mr. Alert. 
I'm overstaying even more now. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Uh, follow us at NailPod. Almost forgot. Go to our site at nailpod.com for links to all kinds yeah, of everything, fun stuff. Literally everything's there. And stay tuned for some cool bonus ups. Yep. The oh, end. And mashup album. Damn it, What? Blake. What? I just said the end. You weren't supposed to add anything. Oh, fuck. Try it again. Mashup album's important. I wanted people to know. Okay, go on. Just There's going to be a mashup album very soon, I swear to God. How close so, are you to finishing it? 99.9%. Okay. I'm putting up a free album for everyone of my mashups of Nin music. That's all. The end. Didn't that make you feel better?